Welcome to In the News for December 29th, 2023. I am Brett Burney from AppsInLaw.com. And this is Jeff Richardson from iPhone JD. Hey, Brett, how have the holidays been for you? It's, it's been good. I can't believe it's it's over. The year is coming year. to a wow. close. All right, this is our very last uh, episode for 2023 with just a few days to go. And uh, we missed last week because, you know, we just wanted to take some time off to be with the families and everything. But wow, Apple didn't take any time off. <laughs> <laughs> there was all kinds of news around the Apple Watch over these last few days. And this story, we probably should have just checked before we just we started recording, Jeff. There could have been something new happening in the last 30 minutes or so. The Apple Watch was available, then it wasn't available, then it was available. I think it's still available as of right now, but who knows in the next few hours. I've been watching this for weeks and weeks. And <laughs> the thing is, you know, knowing how these things go, I knew it could change at any moment. Um, I, and and I've, right. I've seen so much bad commentary on this too, Brett. People saying, oh, well, you know, they timed it that they would be able to to sell the Apple Watch until Christmas Day. Like Apple right. didn't time anything about this. It yeah. all had to do with court deadlines. So the post, when, when I started uh, the iPhone JD this morning, I wanted to sort of go through from, and again, I'm not an IP attorney, so I don't know all the ins and outs of patent law, but I did want to to go through a little detail about what's going on yeah, here. Yeah, we have this we have the special type of corporate this administrative law judge court in Washington DC that allows for relatively quick proceedings, which is how you went from something being filed earlier this year or, or being filed relatively recently and then to have right. a trial earlier this year and then the, the first level review and the second level review. But um you know Apple had no control over the fact that there was going to be a decision released on August on October 26 and that that would trigger 60 days which would just happen to fall after Christmas. But it certainly worked out well for Apple that they were able to sell all the Apple watches that they wanted through Christmas Day. <laughs> right. And then when the ban actually went into effect, it happened to be right after Christmas. And then they, for now, at least they have the appellate court um, temporarily staying the ban so they can sell them again. Um, the underlying issues here, though, are interesting yes. because this company, Massimo, you know, sometimes you hear about patent disputes where it's a it's, you know, being filed by a company that. It's just a patent troll. They don't actually do anything. Right. We just see people. But this is not that at all. Massimo is a company that that really is in this field, and they have been developing this type of medical technology for a while. I think it's fascinating that Apple first talked to them even before there was an Apple Watch. Right. So it goes back a very, very long time. And although Apple did not form a partnership with the company, they did hire some of the employees from that company mm -hmm. to come to Apple. And that, of course, is what led uh, Massimo to allege that they stole, you know, not just their employees, but also some of their uh, underlying intellectual property. Yeah, and, patents. and stuff, you know, yeah. I don't know enough about the details of it to know who is right or who is wrong. I know that Massimo <laughs> has some arguments that that seem right, that seem pretty good in their face. But then Apple has some pretty good arguments that no, no, we developed this stuff, you know, internally. Uh, I know that there was a jury earlier this year in federal court in California that that couldn't reach a decision. It was a hung jury, which just sort of tells you that, you know, who knows? It just so happens that the, the judges here have sided with Massimo for now. Um, we'll see what happens on appeal. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, look, either Apple's going to win and then they're, 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 they're fine or Apple's going to lose and then Massimo will, will force Apple to pay some settlement because Apple right. is, is obviously wants to have this technology in their watches. They want to yeah. be able to read blood oxygen levels and stuff. So, you know, the, it there will be some temporary effects on consumers. Like, for example, if the ban does go into effect until the time when it gets resolved and one way or the other will get resolved it will mean that you know maybe you can't buy 
an Apple Watch, you know, version nine, or you can't buy the um the ultra the the, the ultra version two for a short period of time. And I think maybe what might be effect really an issue for people is if you have a current Apple Watch and you have to bring it in to get repaired. You know, these Apple Watches are so hard to fix, Brett. That lots of times, if even yeah. if you have Apple Care and stuff, Apple Watch doesn't actually fix your watch and give it back to you. They just give you a new one and then they do what they can with the parts, <laughs> right. but they can only do that if they can give you a new watch. And if there's a ban in effect that would prevent them from giving you a replacement watch, well, then some people might be, you know, between a rock and a hard place if they have their Apple watch break. So, I mean, it has a real impact on Apple users, which is the part of this case that really interests me, um, but there's just a whole lot of complicated legal maneuvering and, um, and we'll see who ultimately wins in the courts. It was just a crazy whirlwind seeing these headlines like Apple is being ordered to stop selling the Apple watches. And, yeah, you know, you when I, when I saw mm -hmm. that, it was just like, OK, well, you know, it just because of the profession you and I are in it was like, OK, well, things just have to work its course and and probably things will be worked out. But I didn't think about your angle that you provided this morning, Jeff, that it's not just for new watches, but it's like for folks that currently have an mm -hmm. Apple Series 9 or Ultra 2 that have to get it repaired, like Apple would be prohibited from giving them a, one of those new watches or, you know, there could be something that would that would uh, that that wouldn't fly right. And, and, and just quickly, the the technology that that is underlying here is called the blood oxygen sensor, right? It's in other words, it's basically the technology built into the Apple Watches, and I guess Massimo. I don't even know. Do they have something similar, like a watch type of a device or so? I don't even know. But I'm assuming that this is just measuring your blood oxygen levels, right? Which is very important. I think my wife liked to check that in the health app uh, every morning, you know, just to see how it was like over over the evening or overnight or something like that. And uh, you know, you and I've talked so many times about how you're right. Apple wants this in their watches because this is such an important component of like the overall health measurements, right? That people like want to be able to track and the data that they want to be able to gain uh, from all of this. And so, you know, obviously the headlines were just amazing to see because they were prohibited from selling. So like for what, a few days they couldn't sell. And the way that you were talking about this special court they had to even go to President Biden, <laughs> right, for a review to yeah. see if Biden was going to put some kind of a, of a of a veto on this, right? And and the White House decided not to. I mean, the White House is getting involved in this now. That, for crying out that loud, that was a part Jeff. that really surprised me and many other lawyers who don't practice before the International right. Commission. You know, <laughs> since I'm not familiar with the ITC before this case, the idea that there could be a court that the court rules and then the president decides if he's going right. to it, and then you go to an appellate court. That's that's. <laughs> A, a mixing of uh, executive and judicial branches for sure. Um, but you're right about, you know, the underlying technology is Apple really wants the Apple Watch to to you know be a, a health device as much as possible, which sure. means having sensors. And one of the first sensors they put on there back with the Apple Watch version six in 2020 right. was you know their version of you know in fact I I didn't even know the word uh, what was it it was a, uh, a a pulse oximeter or something that yeah. was, that I learned <laughs> right. about during COVID right. because right. that was you know based upon your your blood oxygen levels that, and right. what, yeah that was something that you can measure to see how sick you were and so but before COVID <laughs> I didn't even know that people you know often use those things and so then Apple right around the same time period, uh, you know, put this in the watch, but it was just because they could shine a light on your wrist 
and look at your blood and, and figure out the sure. blood oxygen levels from that. Not as precisely as something that goes on your finger, but still pretty good for something that you're wearing all the time. And Apple is always right, looking right. for, you know, we have this thing that's on your wrist all the time. You know, what can we measure? What can we do? What data can we find to help you to be more healthy, to give you um, early warning signs, which is another story we're going to have later on today. Um, so you know, they're always looking to make it better. But this was one of the first things that they put in there was the blood, you know, uh, was back in, in, tw in 2020. So, uh, you yeah. know, a lot of people are very interested in this field. And um, I'm sure we're going to see this again in the future. The next time that Apple comes out with something, you know, for example, we, we know that a glucose monitor is something that they've exactly. been looking at for a long That's time. What I thought. There are yep. many, many companies in this field. It would not surprise me if when if Apple comes up with something, someone right. else is going to claim that they've got oh, the patent yes. on it too. Oh, yeah. And we may go through this again. So. Well, people are watching this just quickly, Jeff, because I there was like two or three people that reached out to me. I'm like, hey, should I go buy an Apple yeah. Watch Ultra 2 just to have one mm -hmm. like before they get stopped selling? And as you said, it was about two days, I think, 48 hours that the Apple Watch was the SE was the only Apple Watch model that you could purchase from Apple. Um, and then I thought you had some good insights here as to what you think could happen. Like if Massimo ultimately is successful, Apple will probably reach some kind of a settlement, right? I mean, like yeah. you said, there's no way I, I I can see that Apple would not have this technology <laughs> in the watches. And they're just going to exhaust all of their legal avenues, right, before they yeah. have to maybe or, pay up or so. Well Maybe, Brett, or maybe they want to have the appeal going. I mean, I, I've been involved in litigation True. enough to know that if you have a decent argument on appeal, but you don't want to lose and make bad law, um, what you might want to do is pursue the appeal to give yourself some negotiating leverage. But then while that appeal is uh, pending, okay. but before a decision is reached, that's when you negotiate with the other side. So I don't, I mean, I, I, I'm not privy to Apple's, you know, are they just trying to win the appeal? Are they sure. using the appeal as negotiating leverage? Who knows? But um, but one thing's for sure is that Apple plays hardball when it comes to litigation. You know, if they're in a lawsuit, <laughs> yes. they will right. they they have a reputation of being willing <laughs> to go into the bitter end. And so sure. somebody that would be suing against Apple, you know that you know you can't just expect them to roll over. You know, they've got the money and the <laughs> right. resources and the lawyers and everything else to defend themselves. So but right now, as we're speaking today on December 29th, you can purchase an Apple yep. Watch 9 or an Ultra 2, correct? And so, yes. I mean, that's, and that's the way it's going to be, at least for the foreseeable future, until we yeah, hear maybe a, something at the, after weeks, the first year. Okay. In a couple okay. of weeks, I suspect in the month of January, the um, federal appellate court will either say, yes, we're going to keep the, the ban in effect throughout the appeal, which could be many, many months, or they're right. going to say, you know what? Um, we're not going to we're going to lift the stay and it's the it, it's the right thing to do. They have the ban in place and, you know, who knows which way they're going to go. But, you know, they're going to make their decision in a few weeks Goodness. and either we'll be back here again with more dire warnings that you can't buy the <laughs> Apple Watch or um, it'll be back to normal. We'll see. What a what a legal drama to watch, man. Mm -hmm. Just that's just nuts. That's that just involved with the technology side as well. Uh, we have talked many times, Jeff, about little tiny upgrades or patches, security patches for the iPhone that whenever they come out, we encourage everyone to go ahead and get up, up updated. Now, we generally know that we call them zero day attacks or some kind of simple hacks or so. But this article that you link to, I don't think I've ever seen an article, Jeff, that goes into as much detail that basically hurts my brain to look at it. And I've never seen anything go through so much detail as to exactly how a zero day attack 
actually happens. This was pretty fascinating to me, even though I, I barely understand even the first two steps here. <laughs> the reason for the detail is because there was a security presentation. You know, there's a small number of companies around the world that sell security software for computers. And one of them is Kaspersky, which is actually based right. in Russia, which right. has its own level of things because people some days don't trust, you know, the country of Russia. Right. Uh, but, regardless, but the folks that work at Kaspersky, I mean, these are true experts on security. So what they did is they detailed something that they had looked at that was in effect. I mean, it was in the wild being used from 2019 until December of 2022. So for two or three years, a small group of hackers, certainly the people that developed this, and I don't know if any others figured it out, you know, had this exploit. And what's so interesting about it, Brett, is it, you know, we have often heard that one of the scariest types of iPhone exploits is one that doesn't require the user to do anything. Yes, right, Obviously, right, if you download right. a bad app, you know, if, if you use an Android device, for example, where you have alternate app stores, you might download an app that you think is app X, but it's actually app Y. Right, and, you right. know, but these things where you don't even do anything. And that's what this one started. It was somebody would send you a text message and your <laughs> iPhone in processing the uh, the, the uh, image associated with the text message, it would somehow trip something up in it, but without you even doing anything. So you wouldn't even have to open up the messages app or even know that the message was there. But then what, the, the reason that you talk about it getting so complicated is that was just the start. Once it got this, this <laughs> right. PDF file, then it exploited something in TrueType, which is the engine that's used to display Fonts, fonts and then from right. there it was exploiting something else and it went through like you know eight different layers i mean it does make you think that the people that came up with this hack oh my goodness are these people smart and not only yes. are they smart right but what this article points out is that they knew something about how the iphone works that apple has never revealed right. and it's something right. that the kaspersky says it, it, it's probably an internal testing tool so maybe like somebody who used to work at apple and knew about this and left the company right. yeah maybe they explained but you know it's something that none one in the outside world had even known about someone really knew what they were doing to come up with this test but once right. they figured out the hack it basically you know you could use it with impunity to get control and you know it, it's just interesting that it was out there for so long so you know if when Apple releases security patches and we just sort of say, oh, yeah, they patched a security flaw, blah, 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 blah. But these are the <laughs> right. sorts of things that they are fixing that are so complicated, so detailed, and yet expose your phone to to being taken over by somebody else. So, you so you know, install right. those security patches when they come out and let the smart people at Apple and elsewhere figure out the details. But what, what we need to do is just keep our phones up to date. And just so everybody is understanding about this, the reason that this article was able to be published this information is because this, this little zero-day attack was fixed back in December 2022. Now, hopefully then in December 2022, we were updating to iOS 16.2. So hopefully everybody <laughs> has already updated to at least 16.2 and maybe even iOS 17 if you've updated that way. So in other words, this exploit theoretically would not work today. So that's one of the reasons that they can publish it, I think, or you know, that, they're, that uh, from a journalistic perspective, they're not as worried about publishing it because theoretically most people would have been updated by yeah. now and this may not affect but most Brett, people it makes you point. wonder you know what exploit is out there today oh as we absolutely speak, that's going to be patched <laughs> a year from now and they'll yeah. be like oh my goodness can you imagine back in december of 2023 that we had all you know it just it makes you wonder about what else is out there
It just, it just create. I mean, it, it, it starts off. I, I think I can get the first two of what, what there's maybe 20 different <laughs> steps here. I attackers, I message account got that a PDF file. Okay. I understand that. So they send a PDF through an iMessage and then there's a true type font and export. Then and then so at that point, yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. I see Safari in there somewhere. Anyway, <laughs> it is interesting just to kind of have a little bit of an idea, you know, even for me that I, I have no hope in being basically understanding a lot of this, but just having a little bit of insight into some of this kind of helps, you know, I, and nothing else just makes me even more uh, confident, like you said, Jeff, to make sure that I upgrade to those, uh, right. those uh, small uh, patches when necessary. Jason Snell is one of our favorite Mac-focused journalists, and uh, he's been doing this for a long, long time. And this was just a lovely little list of his favorites of 2023 apps, movies, TV, and books. And I got to say, I think I, I, I was on board with like 95% of these. He is right on the money on this, Jeff. Yeah, I've seen so many of these posted at the end of the year. I know, right? and I know. I've only it's linked to a few of them. The ones that basically sort of I agree with or that I think are pretty good suggestions. And this was one of them. You know, he has yeah. a great list here of apps for the Mac, some apps for the iPhone, for the iPad, um, you know, Bartender, a great app for the Mac. Um, and I also really liked his lists of uh, movies and TV shows. Yeah. Of which are Apple TV Plus today, shows that I love, right. like Foundation, right. Slow Horses, and For All Mankind. He also has on here The Bear, which was on, I think, Netflix, was it? Um, or was it Hulu? Hulu. And Hulu, yeah. which was just Oh my goodness! If you haven't seen the bear, the, the both, no, both seasons I, I, are just. I got it. So you haven't seen it, Brett? <laughs> no, oh, I keep seeing people so talk about good. it. Oh my okay. goodness! Okay, I don't know. I got to get Slow Horses not, season three. I haven't even done horses. that. That's I oh, haven't started so season three yet. I've been saving it for okay, me. In fact, okay. I, I think I might watch it this weekend for New Year's. <laughs> but um, but so so good. The Last of Us on HBO. So it's a good. Yeah, uh, it's a oh, good list here of uh, of things to catch up on if you missed them. Even the books on his apps. Quickly, I just love this. He talks about flighty because that was one of the things you know. Uh, we, obviously, I've talked, about, talked times, about that yeah. many times. The other one, quickly, uh, for the Mac, he talks about Bartender, which I have not used for all the years that Bartender has been around. This is a little utility that could help you arrange your little menu bar on the Mac. But maybe, I, I want to say about maybe eight months ago, Jeff, I finally tried it out. And I'm like, I'm just like Jeff, uh, Jason here says, it's a must-have utility now. Like, I can't, mm -hmm. I can't do without it. And then lastly, just to point this out, he talks about the whisper technology here, which is using AI to transcribe audio into text. And I'll just say, you know, from a little bit of inside baseball for anybody listening, I have been using some of this whisper technology to basically create transcripts for our podcast. And it's just amazing to me, Jeff, how well that it works. I mean, you and I have been, <laughs> I've been around long enough to know that people have always wanted a way to easily, you know, transcribe audio into editable text. And there have been technologies that'll do it, but they are very cumbersome. They were huge. It took a long time and they were not very accurate. This whisper is amazing. I run it right here on my app, on my Mac, and I have an M1 processor. So it's not the fastest as probably what it would be on an M3, but it's just amazing to me how accurate it is, Jeff. And anyway, uh, Jason talks about it. That's what he uses it for on here as well. But there's a lot of other uses in there. So great list. I'll make sure that we link to that yeah. as well. Can I just highlight that, Brett? Because, you know, we haven't mentioned yeah. that on the podcast before. You know, it, yes. I find that sometimes I'll say, you know, I remember hearing something like a couple episodes ago on a podcast that I enjoy, but then you can't remember what right. it was they were talking about. And you don't want to have to 
listen to the entire audio podcast right. again because it's so hard. But if you but looking at a transcript, you can just sort of skim through it. And so I do encourage folks. I mean, we we have the website. It's it's uh, in the newspodcast.com. And if yep. you go to in the newspodcast.com, you can see all the episodes. But when you click on an episode, there's a tab there that's called transcript. And um, that's like right. You say you can see the transcript. It's not perfect. It is not 100 percent perfect. Right. But it is more than good enough for you to get a sense of it and to skim through it quickly and see, oh, now I see what they were talking about. They were talking about flighty or they were talking about bartender or they right. were talking about whatever. So it's something that you can use to find things in an old episode. And I guess in theory, it should be searchable by Google, too. So maybe, maybe that's another way to to do it as well. But yeah. Absolutely. And that's one of the do. I mean, there's all kinds of accessibility components and stuff like that that we did. But we have been doing this for almost about a year, I think now, Jeff. And, you know, I just I, when I saw Jason Sell mention the Whisper app, I mean, there's so many applications for that technology. And that's just a great Very way, cool. I think, that a lot of people can be using even AI today. Uh, mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. good stuff. Apple Pay for the win. I, I, I got to tell you, over this over this holiday, you know, uh, purchasing season, I, I'm constantly now almost I would say more than half of the time when I need to pay for something, whether it's gas or groceries or anything else that I go in person, Jeff, I am pulling out my phone instead of actually pulling out my wallet with a physical credit card. Apple Pay to me is just becoming just the the norm, as it were until <laughs> I get to a store that either doesn't take it or they don't let me tap. And I got to tell you, I don't know why it frustrates me so much. It's more than it should. <laughs> but I'm like, how can you not support that? Well, it seems like there's other people that are agreeing with me. This was a story you linked to from uh, 9 to 5 Mac that Lowe's, the hardware <laughs> store, is now finally accepting Apple Pay. Yeah, as it should. Home Depot has for a long time now. Um, and, you know, you're using your phone to pay. I'm usually using my watch to pay. I just find it, you know, I tap my little thing on the side of the watch and bring up my credit card, yeah. put my watch right there on it, and I find it the fastest way to pay. And I absolutely so to do that. Plus, you know, it's a little bit safer than providing a credit card. I mean, there's there's so many reasons to do it. But even but for me, it's just speed and convenience. It just works so well that I wish I could use Apple Pay everywhere. And what I like about Apple Pay is on the one hand, you've got, um, you know, the big uh, you know, stores that have tons and tons of franchises like a Lowe's or a Home Depot, they are implementing it. But at the even when you come up from the other angle, small businesses that may just be little mom and pop shops right. on a cool street, more and more, they are using these devices made by companies like Square and stuff like that that have mm -hmm. these little car reads on it, our car readers. So, you know, they don't have to be part of some, you know, major conglomerate to have the technology to accept Apple Pay. And so, right. you know, the small businesses have it, the big businesses have it. Um, I wish we would just be at the point where everybody has it, but it's nice that you can get through so much of your day. Um, you know, I like it for my kids too, Brett, because, you know, as teenagers, yeah. I don't necessarily want them carrying around cash every place, um, right. you know, just from right. a safety standpoint. But I love the fact that my daughter, you can use her Apple Watch to pay for things at most anywhere. I mean, yes, it means that she Maybe she'll be paying for that coffee at Starbucks that I don't necessarily think she needed, but that's a, that's a separate issue of talking Thanks, Dad. Uh, to kids, and, you know. But at least she wasn't uh, uh, right. have a big a big wad of cash in her pocket or something. Well, Jeff, I have to tell you, they point out in here, and I thought about this uh, as well. Home Depot actually does not accept Apple Pay right you know, now. I could have sworn that they did because I. Oh, actually, well, you know what the story here is. Home yes. Depot used to. And then they okay. changed it. Okay. That's what it was. I forgot about that. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Because it says here, Lowe is the second largest hardware store chain in the U.S. behind Home Depot. Now, it's been a long time. It's been a few months since I've been to Home Depot. But I do remember specifically 
that I went in and I tried to use my phone, Jeff, and they said, oh, no, you can't use tap. Just, I mean, they just like flippantly said that. And I kind of looked at them like, what's wrong with you? (laughs) I'm glad you you corrected me on that because they absolutely (laughs) supported it for a time and then they turned it off, which just sort of shows you how silly it is from a technological standpoint. They could support it and then they did. They could support it. So, yeah. And I'll just quickly point out another big store for me. Uh, it's a grocery store chain that's down in the south. At least when I go to Texas, is H E B. It's hmm, a huge grocery, yeah. gro- okay. a huge grocery store chain. At least in Texas, I mean I think that that's where it's based out of. And I'm sure there's other places. And, and I got to tell you, um, so when I go down and visit family in Texas, Jeff, I will go to H E B's because that's pretty much the, the the biggest store in town, and they don't take it like again i sat there and i'm just you know not like like i'm just accepting the fact i'm pulling out my phone and i'm banging it on the you know on the little paste (laughs) stopple there and they're like oh yeah you can't tap and again i'm just like how can you not tap in this day i mean to me this is just inevitable right and i'm just glad that you linked to this today from um uh from nine to five mac because if lowe's is doing it surely surely Home Depot and other competitors have to jump on. But I do like the idea, just like you said. I mean, it kind of democratizes, right? The idea like that everybody can accept it, you know, in so many different places. Like I, I always think of like the farmer's market, right? The local farmer's market. Right. You can just go and it's just so easy to take care of that. And I'm glad that they have the capabilities to uh, to accept that now. So we just, I think we mentioned AI <laughs> a little bit ago. Uh, I know we've mentioned it in the past because it's almost like a story that isn't really a story, but a lot of people kind of highlight the fact that, hey, Google is doing AI, Microsoft is doing AI, OpenAI is doing AI. Why isn't Apple doing AI? And I think we talked a couple of weeks ago about a story where they were talking with um, uh, with, uh, Johnny and uh, a couple of the gentlemen, the executives from Apple, right? And they were like, you know what? We're not too worried about this. And sure enough, they knew things that, of course, we didn't know. And you linked to a story today. Apple quietly released an open source multimodal large language model in October. And that's really the same technology that OpenAI and others are using. So Apple is already on the bandwagon. Yeah, there's so many aspects of AI. There, there's things that Apple is already doing with AI and has been doing for years. And yeah. then you have, you know, these sorts of, uh, you know, large type, large scale type things. And it was interesting that they have uh, partnered with, uh, was it Columbia University, I believe, to um, yep. to to work on this model to have it open source so that people can be looking at it. It just goes to show you that there's all these, and, and I'm sure this is one of dozens of things that oh, yes. Apple. Just Agreed. like other tech companies are doing to use um, artificial intelligence. You know, AI became the big thing earlier this year because of ChatGPT, right. and people thought, how cool is it that you can type a question and get an answer? And that is cool. And that is a part of AI, which will continue to be uh, really, uh, you know, fantastic. I mean, heck, here as right. a lawyer, um, we're, we're using this thing called uh, Westlaw that has an AI built in, which is just yes. completely transformed <laughs> the way that I do research. It's really neat. Right. But that's just one type of AI. There's other things that you can do with AI. AI too. And so I'm, I'm glad to see Apple putting all the resources both internally and working externally with universities and in a um, in an open source way to just, you know, get at this in every which way possible. They call this technology ferret, but this surprised me in no way, Jeff. I mean, even when we've talked about it, and even when I saw all the other headlines, which I found sometimes thought it was kind of more clickbait than anything else, of course, Apple is is uh, investing in this. And in fact, I love this other story that you linked to. Speaking oh, yeah. of AI, I didn't, I, I, I think I knew some of this was in here, but mm-hmm. not quite as 
uh, in your face as what this was. There already is an amazing AI feature built right into the iPhone. It's an app called Magnifier. And I did this this morning and my jaw hit the table, Jeff. Yeah. Often Apple takes cool technologies um, and sort of starts them off in some of its um, assistive technologies. And right. that's, what, that's that's where this one is. You know, the the um, the magnifier app is something you can use if you can't see something. It's like a, it's like a, a um, what do you call it? A thing that you hold in your hand to make things bigger. Like uh, a magnifier. Exactly. Uh, exactly. And, magnifying um, glass. Magnifying yeah. glass. That's what I was looking yeah. for. Yeah. But in addition to just making <laughs> things close. bigger, the app has the built-in ability to actually yeah. identify it. So let's it's say really you, great. You know, we're completely blind or, or just uh, hard of vision. You can hold it up. And like you say, Brett, it's one of these things that when you try it, it's like, how in the world is this working? You hold it up. It's and it amazing. Says, this is a tree. This is a plant. This is a such, you know, it, it will read the headline off of it. It's like, wow, you really understand things in the world around you. And right now it's just in this one app and it's just when you turn it on and stuff like that. But it really does make oh, you yeah. think of a world in the not too distant future where your iPhone could have much more of a sense of the world around you. You know, it already has the GPS. Add to it the ability for the iPhone to actually yeah. see the world around you. Think about technology like the Vision Pro that's coming up, like glasses. I mean, as all of this stuff comes together, Apple technology of whatever form, watch, phone, goggles, are going to just have this more and more of a sense of understanding the world around you so that it can then put that in context and aid you. I mean, this is so exciting to me. And I really think and that amazing. we are we are seeing, I mean, this stuff's cool. It's cool today, but I think this is just the yeah. breadcrumbs of five, <laughs> 10 years from now, things right. that are just going to be completely transformational. And we're going to say, gosh, I mean, can you imagine back in 2023 when we didn't yet have this technology? It's, it's some really cool stuff coming. And this is yet another use of AI. Just quickly, I'm, I was thinking, um, it's, I don't know if it's quite AI, but just the fact that with today in the camera app that you can point it at a sign, right, that has text on it, and it can recognize that text. I mean, we call that optical character recognition back in the old days, but I think there's a lot more going on now uh, mm -hmm. on that than just kind of recognizing each individual character. Second of all, the magnifier app alone is really cool. I use this a lot, Jeff. Like when I need, when, when there's like a little tiny piece of technology and you get that teeny, teeny, tiny infinitesimally small text on it right that you have to read i'll use the magnifier app to, to open that up and to zoom in and take a picture of that teeny tiny text you know so i can have a picture of that but the fact that it has this detection mode is amazing and i'll link to the story here so people can go in and try it for yourself and just like uh what is this jason cross in Macworld. He pointed it at his cat sleeping in a little pet bed. And it says at the top, a cat sleeping on a pet bed. And so Jason Cross was just saying it recognized not that it was just a cat, which, by the way, the cat does not look normal. It's like all mm -hmm. twisted up. Right. So the phone recognized a cat not in a normal like Sphinx like mode or anything like that. He said it recognized it was a cat, not just a cat, but a sleeping cat. And that it was in a bed, but not just any bed, in a pet bed. <laughs> I mean, all of that put together, it seems so simple for us because as humans, we just logically understand that as we look around something. But opening this app this morning and just pointing it around, I pointed it at a candle on my table and it said, that is a red candle that is lit on a wooden table. 
incredible, Jeff. I yeah. mean, that was just amazing. And like, and just like I think what you were getting to here, this technology right now is so cool, but this is just going to become taken for granted. I mean, this is going to be put right. into the camera app. This is going to be something that is just going to be in most of the apps. Now, granted, you do have to have a, a more modern type of an iPhone to be able to take advantage of this. I think you have to have LiDAR uh, ability on there. Yeah, on iPhones with LiDAR. Uh, but man, go and try this today because <laughs> it is super cool. And Merry Very Christmas. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to CarPlay quickly. This was a story about, wow, Porsche and Aston Martin are going to have bespoke Apple CarPlay interfaces. I like this. We had learned, gosh, was at the beginning of this year, the end of last year, that Apple was going to have a next generation of CarPlay that would not just be a, a small uh, window, yeah. which we have now, but it would, could stretch across the entire dashboard. And more important than real estate it could uh, in your car, it would incorporate more technology so that some things that your car natively would tell you, like your speed and how much gas you have left and those mm -hmm. sorts of things, that would be could be built into the interface. And Apple said that they would have something to show off before the end of this year. And and it's just a few days Here before the end of the year. Yeah, they just they barely it. made it. And it's only going to be in the two cars that, that you and I typically buy, of course, our Aston Martins uh -huh. and our Porsches. Oh, I've got three. But, you know, you know so. <laughs> exactly. The, um, uh, but, you know, so it's just starting in these high-end cars. But at least they have something to announce. And so you can see a couple preview pictures. And these cars apparently will be for sale next year. Again, you know, we joke because these are very expensive high-end cars. But I guess you got to start somewhere. And um, hopefully before too long. I mean, I, I'm waiting for this to to, to bubble down to the, to the Toyotas and the Hondas and, and stuff like well, that of the world. Yeah. Um, so, but it'll be cool. I'll just tell you a couple of uh, about three or four weeks ago, I went to Texas to visit family. I had my son with me and we rented a car. Um, my son's very much into cars, So he picked out a Cadillac. It was an SUV Cadillac of some kind, Jeff, XTR or something. I'm not really sure. But here's the thing. And I've gone on record saying this before. To me, this became my Apple car because when I plugged in my phone, it had the regular CarPlay screen right there in the middle as it normally does. But Jeff, as you've seen on most modern cars, the entire uh, instrument panel that was directly in front of me behind the steering wheel, there were no analog instruments right. on there at all. It was one big screen. Now, that screen showed the normal things you would think, like the speedometer and the odometer and the gas gauge and everything. Mm -hmm. Or, Jeff, I had the option of keeping my CarPlay screen showing whatever I wanted on the regular CarPlay screen on the console. And the entire screen behind my steering wheel basically became Apple Maps. It was wow. a huge map that was there. I was enthralled, Jeff. It was so great because that took advantage basically of the additional screens. Does that make sense what I'm saying yeah, there? Yeah, yeah. It was just great. And at the very below the map, it had like your your speedometer in, in numerals, right? And it had like your odometer. I mean, you could customize it exactly the way that you, to a certain extent, the way that you wanted it. But it mm -hmm. was just so neat that I felt like I had two screens in my car that I could be controlling via CarPlay. And for me, that's it wasn't quite an Aston Martin or a Porsche. <laughs> but to me, when I saw the story, I started thinking about that and you and i have talked about carplay often as i said i mean it was just neat that i could customize that experience in that rental car without having to kind of like change my typical you know driving habits to that car if, if that makes a little sense i was that's able awesome. to turn it around and to, really cool. you know that's where it's going to go that was a 2023 model obviously and and uh i i was just uh thrilled with that
Okay, so we did the watch, we did the iPhone, of course, we did the CarPlay. Let's talk about the iPad, which hasn't had a lot of news. Uh, in fact, nothing was happening this year, I don't think. And so everybody's been anticipating what in the world is Apple going to do with the iPad uh, next year. And this was a good article in Macworld from David Price uh, talking about, well, here are some things, Apple, that you could consider for the newest iPad in 2024. Yeah. And, you know, who knows what we're going to do. Some of the ideas he has in here, I think that Apple both should and probably will do. Others, I don't know. He, for example, says that they should simplify the line and just have the iPad Air and then have the iPad Pro. Um, because, the you know, right. with, with the mini and everything else, I guess you could argue there's some confusion there. Um, I, I, on the one hand, I understand his argument. On the other hand, iPad mini is a device that people love, that small size form factor. And the name right. iPad mini is one that people are very familiar with. So um, I don't know that Apple would yeah. get rid of that name just under this, the case of simplicity. On the other hand, I really do think that and, and hope that the next version of an iPad Pro really pushes that word pro. The processors, you know, yeah. presumably they'll have the M3s and stuff, and you know, they will be even more powerful. And we want to see Apple really take advantage of that. So I would love it if they had an iPad Pro, an Apple Pencil Pro, things that yeah, got, you know, next right. level features. Um, I would really love to see that. Um, they will, you know, at this time next year, Brett, we will look back and say, why was it in 2023 that there was nothing mm. happening on the iPad? My hope is that the reason for the lack of activity this year is because Apple has some really cool stuff planned for the iPad next year. And so, um, you know, so we I shall see. Right. So he I has some ideas right. there. People also think that the, the displays will get even better, um, which, you know, already, I mean, I'm so you, good I already. Just, yeah. Just yesterday, Brett, I was looking at some pictures on my i my iPad Pro, uh, twelve point right. nine inch. Some pictures that I had taken on Christmas Day at my house, and you know, I took them with my iPhone, which has such a beautiful, wonderful camera with the HDR, so the brights are really bright and the colors really pop. Right. And when I was looking at those pictures on my iPad, um, which um has a very very nice screen that has I forget mm -hmm. how, I forget how many nits this thing goes up to maybe sixteen hundred. You know, those pictures really popped, and um, I'm like, wow, this is you know something that even with my regular SLR camera, I don't get that same, you know, right. highs and lows of colors. And I'm like, gosh, these pictures look just so beautiful here. I'm really, I'm enjoying watching the pictures because they bring back memory, but I'm also enjoying the pictures themselves because they're so wonderful. So, you know, hopefully Apple will continue to push that even more with even better screens and the iPads. Um, we shall see, but I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. And we may not wait that long because there was a time when Apple would often yes. introduce new iPads in the spring, right, Brett? You know, we often right. saw those. That's March what I was going to ask. Right. So maybe, I mean, maybe March is not that far away. That's what maybe I was thinking. It'll just yeah. be a few months when we get to see something really cool. We'll see. That would be good. And I know even Mark Gurman not too long ago talked about this, right? And so that is the production projection. But yeah, that'd be great. I would like to see something in March. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, I don't think my billfold would enjoy that, but I'm ready. <laughs> That's true. That's <laughs> on true. That. Let's go to the where you at segment. Where Jeff. You at? A couple of stories quickly. This was a nice little, uh, I thought, an overview of how the iPhone satellite SOS feature not only has been saving lives as we have, as we have uh, been uh, uh, traditional to support uh, in, 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 uh, in the podcast here, but I just like that some of this gave a little bit of insight from the actual first responders, which they're calling this feature a game changer in the fact that it's just made their job even easier to be able to go out and rescue so many people over these last few years. 
Yeah, the publication that this article is in is Backpacker. And so, you know, they're really focused on people that are, you know, almost right. necessarily off of the grid, right? You're you're hiking on a mountain and you're not going to have good cell range of any cell cellular service at all. And so you're in a situation where if you get hurt and you need to call for help, you need to call for help. You know, satellite service is really your only option. And the thing, you know, this is a nice sort of year in review because she has lots of stories yeah. that she's collected, some of which we've heard about in the past, some of which were new right. to me. But in the, the common theme throughout these stories is the rescue people saying that what's often most important in these rescues is getting there quickly because during those first few hours, that can often make the difference between right. life and death. Right. Because if you're bleeding out or another situation, something happens. And, you know, without having access to satellite technology, you know, just getting the word out or the the trouble, the, the trauma that you put on your, on your body, if you can move, to get from where you are to where you can call for right. help and then waiting for the help, help to come, you know, that's the thing that will make the difference between life and death. So thanks to the the, the, the phone and, and the Apple Watch, you know, we, when you can contact authorities, they know exactly where you are from GPS. One of the yeah. stories that she shared in here, she said that because the GPS is so accurate, in one of these situations, it just turned out that once a woman had gotten into trouble, uh, the rescue authorities happened to be pretty close by, just about 15 minutes right. away. And because right. they knew precisely where she was, they were able to go directly there as opposed to starting another big search and then narrowing down right. the locations. Amazing. And, and again, getting there quickly makes such a difference. So, um, you know, you hope that you never need to use this stuff, but you sure are happy that it's there if you need it. I like how she points out here, this technology is not new, right? Garmin and some other companies have been doing this for a long time. And she just says the fact that adding this ability into the iPhone though, has just put that technology into vastly more people's hands. Exactly. And, you know, and, and she even says it's worth noting that iPhones have a modest battery life compared to these other dedicated beacons. Uh, but you know, the fact that it's there and it's a possibility and it's an option, it's just amazing. And, uh, yeah, I, you know, and she even talks about what we've talked about right now. It's still a free feature. Who knows if Apple is going to charge for this in the future or not, but, uh, we'll, we'll be watching. <laughs> I, I feel like that there not going to and at some point something will get uh, ironed out on that and then uh as we are want to do on our where you at segment uh two more people got uh saved from their apple watch when uh let's see both of these i think were on their their heart rate and uh they both uh, apparently when they got saved by it they sent some thank you emails to tim cook and uh he or somebody in his group <laughs> was very nice to reply uh to them i thought these were great stories too yeah and these are examples of you know early warning devices uh, early warning uh, situations where somebody thinks that something's going on and then but the apple watch sort of gives an early indication of maybe you should go right. to the doctor or in one case the person went to the doctor for something that they thought might have been a one-off and then he's like well wait a minute I've been wearing my watch for, you know, for forever. And so he was able to go back and uh -huh. look through his history at what, what his heart had been doing over the last couple of days. And then the doctor was able to say, oh, wait a minute, this is not isolated. You've actually had an issue for a while now. And then, right. you know, use that information to give him better services. Um, you know, I don't know. You say, Tim, somebody responding on behalf of Tim. I'm sure that some of that happens. But um, from what I've read from interviews and stuff, I do think that Tim Cook, Apple CEO, does spend a portion of his day every day looking yeah, at least a small subset. I mean, maybe somebody calls out the thousands of emails that he gets and just gives him a select number to look through. But um, but I actually do have that a sense that, that it's actually Tim looking 
with this. And uh, in between would... these types of stories, Brett, and the ones that we just talked about, I mean, the device, it's literally saving people's life, whether it's a satellite literally. or whether right. it's your heartbeat. Right. I mean, that's that's pretty cool that the technology that you love to use also can, in certain situations, save a life of you or, or, a, or a family member. I mean, that's pretty cool. I would very, very much like to believe that Tim Cook is doing this. It, it does say <laughs> at the bottom, sent from my iPad Pro and sent from my iPhone as if, you know, he was sitting just like the rest of mm -hmm. us do. And that little signature is down at the bottom of some of these emails that that would make me ever so happy if I knew that Tim Cook. And like you said, some people, it may be somebody surely is filtering out. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> some of these emails him, and maybe he just replies to some of them. Okay. It doesn't really matter. If I got an email from Tim saying somebody was Tim cook, I'm going to keep it because <laughs> that would just be really cool on there. Tim cook is also apparently doing some good stuff with Apple TV plus. I was thrilled to see this story today, Jeff, how Apple conquered sci-fi and you know, I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge sci-fi fan. And so I've watched many, many of the movies, you know, from the historical perspective, I didn't know many of them are big, budget i don't think i realized how big of a budget that they needed but apparently apple and apple tv plus are committed to providing the money when it's needed to make a really really good sci-fi show and they've done a good job yeah i mean just because you throw money at a project doesn't mean it's going to be good you still need good actors you need a good story right. and everything else but in those situations where you do have people like for example ron moore who has done so many successful things over the years he knows how to do fantastic uh science fiction between star trek and battlestar galactica and all the things that he's done in the past that when he came to apple with the for all mankind story you know <laughs> you know that it was going to be right. somebody good behind it but it was only going to work if he had the resources and yeah. the commitment that you know we're not going to you know, if For All Mankind was something that only lasted one season, it wouldn't have had nearly the power that it has now that we can look back over multiple seasons that had that span multiple decades. And uh, and then more recently, we have the the, the Godzilla type movie movie called uh, Mammoth that has a number of people they interview here. Matt Fraction, who is well known by many people for the comic books that he's worked on over the years. Right. Um, but he's now one of the, the I think he's a co-creator of of the um, of the, the the Godzilla show, which I mean, yeah. I don't think it's yeah. nearly Monarch. as good. Yeah. Monarch. Uh, it's yeah. Not, I've been watching Monarch. I'm totally up to, to up to a date to I'm, I'm on the latest episode. It's not as good as something like for all mankind, but I have to tell okay. you what I'm, I'm enjoying it and it looks really good on the screen. They're definitely spending the money on the special effects and you know, I'm, I will stick with it and I will go through future seasons um, just because it's not the very best thing on Apple TV plus it's still interesting right. and worth watching. So it was interesting seeing people like this say that they love the Apple TV plus service because people at Apple tend to get sci-fi i mean they're into yeah, technology they, in the first place and they, they understand, understand that if you want to do it right you have to give these smart people the resources to do a really good show so if sci-fi isn't your thing this is another great story you lead to an imore uh who is this stephen shaw saying <laughs> slow horses is so good the show is so good that it alone justifies paying for apple tv plus uh i i think i'd probably agree of course i like so many shows as you and i have talked yeah. about over and over but i haven't started the season three of slow horses but both of the first seasons were so good i, I might yeah. have to rewatch them like they're that good that's it's great yeah. stuff and isn't it cool that, I mean, Apple TV Plus, you know, it has not been around that many years. And already we have people saying, gosh, the reason, you know, if for no other reason, you've got to get it because of severance or you've got to get it because right. of Ted Lasso or right. you've got to get it because of Slow Horses. Exactly. They have so many of these right. shows that are so compelling that, um, you know, it's 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 really become a great service.
At the same time that we're reading articles, like I just saw this week, Brett, that, you know, Amazon Prime, which has a couple of good shows on it. Now right? they're going to start putting commercials in there unless you uh, pay even more money. And I, I was like, oh, I know there's commercials there. So um, oh. I think Jason Snell wrote about that. He was like, big shock. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're, they're going to put in. Yeah, not 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 cool. I mean, I, I guess it's fairly inevitable, but still not cool. All right. The last little thing quickly. Uh, great video. <laughs> I even sent it to my wife this morning and she was laughing out loud. This is it's called Miss You. I, I, again, I don't, we're not going to give anything away, but it is worth the, what the 20 seconds to watch this little video. We'll link to it in the show notes. Uh, it's an ad for the iPhone 15, but in a in a in a in a different perspective it's a very clever way most people right it's a very clever way of showing you that they have longer battery life if you get the plus model whether it's the iphone right. 15 plus or the 15 pro plus <laughs> good stuff all right in the know i in thought this know. was good both of our tips this uh, at the end of this year are helping all of you our fantastic and wonderful listeners to have your technology security resolutions in order for the new year. You've heard us talk about, I think, all, all of this stuff in the past. Uh, but I've got two sites or two services that I am recommending to get your technology security in order. Number one is a VPN, virtual private network. If you have not subscribed to a VPN yet and you regularly, regularly, fairly often go out to like a Starbucks to sit and do some work, for example, or you're traveling and you're sitting at a coffee shop, anytime that you're not at a trusted wireless network and you're using some kind of an open network, use a VPN. There's many of them out there, NordVPN, ExpressVPN, all of them are, are really good. You can find them. But the one that I use and I like so much is called Tunnel Bear. It is so simple to use. I use, I pay for uh, all of my, it's, it's one subscription for all of my devices. I've got it on my Mac, my Windows, my iPhone, my iPad. And so anytime that I am surfing somewhere that, uh, I know that it's on an open wireless network and I'm sending emails or doing anything, anything really, I just make sure that I turn on Tunnel Bear. Uh, fairly inexpensive right now. They have a 67% off on this. So it's worth getting before the new year. And then my second one, which of course is one of our favorite services is a password manager. Um, I'm hopeful that most people listening today have a password manager. If you do not, one password is absolutely our best option. I know there's Bitwarden out there and there's other options that people have been talking about. Still don't recommend LastPass just because of the issues that they had several months ago. But one password is totally worth doing. I, I just got to tell you, I've been doing this with my with my family since I, I lost my father a few years ago and with my uh, mother and my aunt. This is the way that I manage all of the stuff that I have to deal with a lot of times, you know, with their logins, Jeff, you know, from 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 their different bank accounts and stuff like that. I'm able to manage all of that, both for my family as well as others as well through uh, one password. And it's just really a great um uh, service right now. I think there's a 50% off, um, uh, offer maybe before the end of the year. I don't have it right here. I don't think it's publicized on, on the website, but I've seen some people talk about it. However, last little quick tip. If you are looking for a way to maybe save a little bit of money, you can go. I've got a Rakuten link. Rakuten is a site that you can click through to make a purchase before you get to Tunnel Bear 
or 1Password, and you will get $30 back even on that. So Rakuten makes money as getting commissions from some of these other stores. And so uh, I'll have that link in the show notes. If anybody is interested in using that link, you don't have to. But if you wanted to get, you get $30 back as well. So in other words, you can use Rakuten, sign up for it, go to either 1Password or Tunnelbell or both, and you will even get $30 back through Rakuten. So it's win-win. It's like it's a no-brainer, I think, for a lot of folks to make sure that at the end of the year, you are ready for your technology security uh, buttoned up for 2024. And those are my technology security resolutions for 2024, Jeff. Yeah, those are good suggestions for, you know, simple things that people can do in the new year yes. to improve their security, you know, especially underlying having a password manager. You and I have already talked earlier in today's podcast, as we <laughs> right. always do, about install about installing the Apple security updates when they come out. That's another simple right. thing that you can do. Um, and the last one that I was going to mention, and we've referred to it in the past, um, earlier in the beginning of this year, Joanna Stern at the Wall Street Journal had had this oh, report yes. on how people were stealing iPhones. And I just want to use this opportunity to both plug a follow-up she did and to, to emphasize the message. Um, the follow-up is I have links to an article in the Wall Street Journal and the uh, the video is either on the Wall Street Journal or you can also watch it on YouTube too. She recently went to a jail and she interviewed somebody who had actually oh, been doing yeah. this and was arrested and is now in jail and incarcerated because he had been stealing people's iPhones and getting their passwords. And you know the, the key of the story is you have to protect your iPhone passcode, whether yeah. it's just a simple six digits or what I encourage you to do is make it even more complex than that. Make it longer, make it more, you know, you can either use letters and numbers so that it's harder for someone to get it. But the key is to protect it because when Joanna Stern interviewed this person in jail, he said that sometimes they would use it where like he was trying to talk to somebody and somebody else had like a camera and was looking to see as you put the numbers in. But he said right. more often than not, people would just right there in front of him, type in their passcode <laughs> and he saw it. In. Or what he said yeah. he would do is he would say, you know, let me see your phone. I'm going to, I'm going to give you my, my Instagram. I'm going to type it in for you. And then he oh, would say, yeah. Oh, your phone is locked. Of course your phone's locked because he just locked yeah. it. And then he'd say, you know, what's your number? And the person would say, Oh yeah, you can just type in my number. It's, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six. It's like, okay. So he'll type it in. But as he's typing it in, he's of course remembering it. And of course, then memorizing somebody it. Yeah. either he or someone else steals the phone. And then yeah. once you have the passcode, I mean, not only do you have access to the phone so you can resell somebody's stolen phone, that's the that's the, the tip of the iceberg. The real wow. problem is that you can yen use the phone to, and, and he said millions of dollars that you know they would use the phone to buy things at stores, wow. to drain your bank account. And so again, we've talked about the story before, but my message is yeah. this, going into the new year, be very careful about what your passcode is, use something mm -hmm. that seems secure. And you know when you put it in, Pretend like it's it's your pin for your ATM card. Exactly. You know, if you were typing in, right. if you were typing in right. your ATM card to get money out of the bank and somebody was just standing there right next to you that you don't know, you would hide you, it. You would hide it or you would say, Excuse right. me, can I have some space here? You know, treat it the same way because it is not just unlocking your phone. It's the key to so many financial things and so many security things and all of your yeah. pictures and everything else. Um, be careful with it. And just to, through simple Simple, simple, you know, carefulness, it can make such a huge difference in preventing yourself from being a victim. So right. that's my big security tip for 2024. Yeah, and this other thing quickly, I think you linked to then an iOS 17.3, which just came yeah. out not too long ago, has the no, no, device no, protection. Coming, yeah, coming out. Oh, it's so coming. This is not that's out. right. That's yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, this is Apple has, that's has right. the beta. The beta is, is in place right now. They have something okay. called advanced device protection, and it's not going to. 
the problems that I just talked about of having somebody steal your device because they know your code, you don't solve all of the problems, but it, it, it solves some yeah. of the problems. It's something called um, stolen device protection. It's an optional feature that you can turn on once you have 17.3. 17.3 is not out yet. My guess is it's going to be out at some time in January of 2024. Yeah. It could push. It could go back a little bit, but th that's my guess is that in the next four weeks, we're going to see 17.3 and 17.3 is going to have a number of new features. But one of them that, that I promise you I'll be talking about on this podcast when it's, when it's out is this um, stolen device protection, which just makes yeah. it a little bit harder for somebody to, um, to, to take over your life by stealing your phone and your passcode. But again, you can avoid this problem completely by just protecting your passcodes <laughs> so that they don't have it in the first place. That's right. Just just making sure that you are not giving it out to anybody. And I see this all the time. I mean, truly, like, you know, just in friends and, and, and family and all. And I don't know. I mean, obviously, it's family. But just emphasizing that again and again, it's like, just be so careful. I mean, even like my, my, my daughter, you know, going off to school, it's like, I just try to emphasize to her, like, you know, just don't share it with anybody because they're constantly snapping things anyway just some just some good uh good heads up for the uh yep. for the new year speaking of which happy new year everyone if you're listening to this in the next few days it has been kind of a wild ride in 2023 but a lot of good stuff and uh i don't know i'm just even more excited for 2024 jeff i think there's going to be a lot of stuff we'll be reporting on in the next year 2024 is going to be fantastic. We hope that there's going to be new iPads. Of course, there'll be a new iPhone later in the year. The, the Apple Vision Pro goggles are coming out. I really think that 2024 is going to be an incredibly exciting yeah. year in yeah. the, the technology, the Apple and related technology that we talk about here on the podcast. So I can't wait. I'm really excited. Here, let's bring it on. We'll talk with you next week and next year, Jeff. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> See you Talk to you soon. Bye-bye, everybody.